Well, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Current events, local, world news, and trending. This is Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. March the 18th. Thank you for joining me. Thursday. Maybe I'm a day off. I guess I am a day off. Today is Thursday, the 28th, not Wednesday. Sorry about that. Kind of feels like Wednesday, though. You know, I mean, I don't work on Monday, so it kind of feels like a Wednesday to me. My bad. So, anyhow, get that all out of the way. That's just too funny. Well, St. Patrick's Day was yesterday, March the 17th, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday. Kind of feels like hump day to me because it's Thursday and I started work on Tuesday. But anyways... All quiet on the home front here in London, Ontario, Canada, as the London police report quiet St. Patrick's Day. Well, I mean, with the upticks in the virus from the Western University students in the last couple of weeks, went from 22 to 45. And I suspected that it would be a quiet St. Patrick's Day here in the city of London. For the most part, Londoners were all well behaved during the subdued St. Patrick's Day because of COVID-19. That's got a lot to do with it. Quite a bit to do with it. Probably everything to do with it. All bars and restaurants stayed within capacity limits as listed in in the uh, provincial orange restrict category and no charges were laid there. So that's good for the London bars. Thank you very much for doing your part. Police responded to a total of 48 noise complaints and a number of warnings were issued in retaliation to Liquor License Act bylaw related infractions. Six people suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Well, that's good. There were possible reopening act offenses that are being investigated by, by police. But for the most part, they say that they're proud for the, for the lenders um, celebrating St. Patrick's Day responsibly. That includes all Londoners, Fanshawe students, university students. Whether at home or in local pubs and restaurants, said London Mayor Ed Holder in a news release. We are in the midst of a time when COVID-19 is not only present in London, but case numbers appear to be trending slightly higher. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, so it's just getting my days mixed up today. 
but today was Wednesday. I think I said Wednesday in my introductory and it's Thursday. And probably because I start work on Tuesdays. So today feels like a Wednesday for me. But yesterday was Wednesday and it was St. Patrick's Day. And just, uh, you know, here in the city of London, Ontario, where I reside, everything was pretty quiet. And, you know, uh, in our reopening act, you know, here in Ontario, uh, we are in the in the orange stage which means bars and restaurants can open up. They can have 50 people indoors. You know, gyms and stuff like that can reopen in the movie theaters and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, the, the, uh, the bars, um, they did a really great job on keeping capacity, not going over capacity because it would just be spell trouble for them and they don't need any more problems. You know, like we all want to just keep moving forward and hopefully, you know, when they're talking about a third wave, hopefully, you know, we're not going to see lockdowns, any more lockdowns, but still not all the province of Ontario is out of lockdown. Now, it's good to hear because I was kind of concerned myself because um, in the last couple of weeks, um, university students partying off a of campus. And it started out with only 21 COVID-19 cases. And within five days, it jumped to 45 cases. So we are, I, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I really hope that, you know, we keep things quiet for St. Patrick's Day this year. Because remember last March, we are in total lockdown. So there was no St. Patrick's Day celebrations last year. So glad to hear that uh, my fellow Londoners, students, Fanshawe University, that uh, you pretty much behaved yourselves. And uh, that's really good news. Because, you know, there's going to be a time when this will be all behind us. And, you know, we'll be able to have all kinds of celebrations. So, and just, uh, you know, I was watching the news earlier tonight too. And um, here in the city of London, um, you know, leading into the summer months, you know, we have a lot of festivities going on in the city. And unfortunately, it'll be another summer without any festivities going on. And that's, you know, like the Sunfest. Rock the Park and other musical festivals that we have throughout the city throughout the summer months, the Rib Fest. So none of that, you know, that's again, it's, it's all postponed. Hopefully, you know, in 2022, the summer of 2022, that all these festivities come back. So that's all we can, that's all we can do is just, uh, is a big wait and see and what's going to be happening there. So I'm just glad to hear that, uh, for the most part that it was uh, pretty quiet here, um, in the city of London and people behaving themselves. Now, another article here 
and as you may or may not know, the Canada and the United States land border has been closed to non-essential travel for one year. Now, yes, vaccines are rolling out. People are getting their shot in the arm, which is great. And we all have to be patient because there's a whole lot of people to get vaccinated, right? The whole planet, not just Canada and the United States, everywhere. So, but with this border closure, you know, it says time for Canada and the United States to get serious about how, when to open the border. Well, I don't know what to really tell you because right now it's not going to happen. And I don't see it happening over the summertime. I don't see it happening until sometime next year. Now, I could be wrong. but I don't think I am. So there's this panel of experts and powerful political luminaries from both Canada and the United States sounded the alarm today, Thursday, about what they consider an urgent need to get serious about reopening the shared border. Well, you know, United States right now is looking at approximately about 29 million people infected. And that's up another 58,000. Something like four or 548,000 people have died in the United States due to the coronavirus. And they want to talk about being getting serious about opening the land border between Canada and the United States. Canada has something like 915,000 cases. We have, we have well over 800,000 people that have recovered. I think it leaves about 33,000 active cases in the entire country of Canada with a population of 37 and a half million people. See the difference here? It's a huge difference. So there's a task force that uh, assembled by the Washington-based Wilson Center, Canada Institute gathered several international trade and travel experts to sound off on what needs to happen and why and when. The overwhelming consensus, time is rapidly running out. I don't see how time is running out to when Canada is going to decide when to open the border. My opinion, Canada will open the border when they're good and ready to do it. No peer pressure or pressure from the United States. We will let you into the country when we're good and ready to let you into the country. Because so far, you haven't shown that you have things under control in the United States with this pandemic. It's way out of control in the United States. So, you know, they, they throw in, you know, the terrorist attacks on September the 11th, 2001, produce shocking images. We all know what happened. You know, and you know, the endless lineups of 18 wheelers at the Canada US border crossing. The, the pandemic has produced 
no comparable images. Well, no kidding. That terrorist attack September 11th is not even relevant to opening the borders between Canada and the United States. It has nothing to do with it. And so we fail to instill in people and government alike the same degree of alarm, said a member of the task force. Oh no, the alarms are sounding over here. We're like every country around the world, ladies and gentlemen, we're trying to get out of this mess. So, I mean, we could sit down with the United States and say, yeah, next summer. Next summer, we'll open the land borders between Canada and the United States. You can't compare the 9-11 attacks and this pandemic. You, You just can't compare the two. So every minute on the news, the visual over and over again was so powerful in terms of helping Canadians and Americans understand there was something profoundly different here, something somebody had to fix. In addition to the well-documented economic consequences, particularly among communities near the border, the year-long travel restrictions are taking a mental toll the task force says a mental toll, financial tolls. What is it that the United States want Canada to do? What do you want? You think for one second that I say, okay, we'll just open the borders tomorrow and everybody can just rush into Canada and just have a free for all. Not going to happen. Just isn't. So they talk about the biggest impacts or the social cost that we but that we just cannot um, monetize, like missing the birth of a child or the death of loved ones. Now, see, there should be some compassion rules here when it comes to death of the loved ones, because you'd be surprised how many Americans live here in Canada, live and work here. You'd be surprised how many Canadians have families in the United States. Now, there should be compassionate for people, you know, if uh, someone is going to pass that they should be able to come here. But that's not happening. And that's, you know, that's the government's decision on that. You know, a lot of Canadians, you know, also disagreed with with the government here in Canada when it came to... um, allowing people to come here uh, because a loved one was going to pass away. And, you know, to, to have an, a, a compassion um, rules, I think it would have been fine. But, what, you know, when it, when it comes to, of, of course, the economic, uh, the economics of it all and tourism on both sides of the border, we have Niagara Falls, Canada. We have Buffalo, New York on the other side. 
big tourist hotspots. People who live close, uh, who, like people who live in Sarnia, Ontario, looking over the river into Port Huron, Michigan. A lot of Canadians and Americans cross back and forth at that border. Detroit, Michigan, and Windsor, Ontario. A lot of people cross back and forth. That's the busiest international crossing in the world. Detroit, Michigan, and Windsor, Ontario, Canada. But as this pandemic, you know, and they're talking about a third wave, how can we even be sitting down and even discussion about reopening the land border between Canada and the United States. The talks that need to be going on right now is how we're going to get everybody vaccinated. We need to have our priorities in, in order here. Of course, the United States is far more populated than Canada is. We're not going to have everybody vaccinated by September of 2021. Vaccines will be available to whoever wants to get a shot in the air by that time. Not all Canadians will be vaccinated by September. Now, people who are going to be receiving their first shots now, after they get their first shot, they're going to have to wait four months for their second shot. So we're trying to get as many needles in the arms as possible. But the population will not be fully vaccinated by September. What would the COVID-19 numbers look like by then? I have no idea. We would like to see no cases of COVID. But I don't think that's going to happen. You know, and they, and they go on here, um, part of the impacts um, which are experienced across regions in the United States and Canada are really overshadowed by the impacts that what we can monetize. Well, I don't know about that. Former Quebec Minister John Charette, he's a task force member, noted that the uh, sustained and brutal level of Canadian anonymity towards the idea of travelers from the U.S., is out of character. The attitude he attributed to part of the tenor of the former President Donald Trump. Now, look, we don't have any animosity against Americans. We like Americans. We want Americans to come here like it used to be. But we're not ready for that yet. So, you know, now another individual here, he was struck by how Canadians are overwhelmingly opposed to Americans traveling to Canada. Yeah, we are overwhelmingly opposed to it. Go figure. Yeah, most of us are. And why is that? Pandemic. That's what it is. 
So now, you know, this, this chief uh, diplomat officer of the United States of Homeland Security, and he's a member of the expert panel. He laid out a detailed multi-prone strategy that the US and Canada need to jointly embrace. Says at its core, he said, would be some form of electronic system that would allow travelers to prove either that they have been vaccinated or that they are equipped with the antibodies that come from having contracted COVID-19. I think that's ridiculous. Now I'll tell you, you know, for Canadians coming back from their travels, because, you know, they traveled anyways over the winter months, even with a travel advisory. Now for them to return back to Canada, they have to have a COVID-19 test done where they are. They have to test negative. And then when they get back into Canada, they have to pay for a COVID-19 test and they have to quarantine for three days in a hotel at the expense of themselves. It can add up to about $2,000 for the three days. And if they test negative, they can go home and quarantine for the rest of the time. If they test positive, then they'll be going to a, a federal place of building where they'll be quarantining. So I don't know how anybody would be able to prove they have the antibodies that came from having contracted COVID-19. And some electronic system. I mean, people were falsifying documents saying they got tested. I don't see that even working. And then they go on to say, you know, such a system would need to be science-based. Prior prioritize the high-risk and low-risk travelers and include some form of pre-clearance mechanism to minimize border congestion. You know how long that would take just to, you know, figure all that stuff out and all the, and all the meetings, you know, cause we're not getting together. We're not going there to meet with the American officials and they're not coming here. So, you know, having their zoom calls or whatever, how they're doing it, you know, how long it would take just to, get it all on paper. It'd be Christmas time already. The main difference that we face now in the wake of the pandemic is that we're not as we were after 9-11 looking for needles in a haystack. The new challenge is that we have to take this disease into account. We have to look at the entire haystack and develop screening procedures. We'll have to figure out some electronic stuff have to figure out how we can prove that people have the antibodies. You know, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I've said this from time and time again on my show, you know, when you get vaccinated for the flu, 
you know you can still get the flu, right? Won't be as bad, but you're still going to get the flu. You get vaccinated for the coronavirus, this coronavirus, COVID-19, or called SARS-CoV-2. You can still get SARS-CoV-2. May not be as severe. Vaccinations are not cures. It's not a cure. So having this electronic system in place and and be able to identify people who have antibodies and and you know after they contracted COVID nineteen, the flu. You know, from 1918, the flu comes and goes every single year. Maybe this is something eventually that this, this, this virus will do. It'll just come and go once a year. Well, you know, like Donald Trump said back last, last year, uh, it'll be gone when the warm weather comes. Calling it the Kung Flu, the Chinese virus. And look at America today, over 29 million people infected. Over a half a million people dead. This virus has killed more Americans than the flu season. They got a lot of work ahead of them, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to figure out how they think of kind of plans are going to come up to reopen up the, the land border between Canada and the United States. The Americans want to open up their side of the border, go right ahead. Canadians aren't going to cross over there. Well, there'll be some because they're just idiots and they'll cross over there anyways. But we're not going to open the Canadian side of the border. You know, our Prime Minister of Canada has been out time and time again. That he is going to protect all Canadians. And the decision isn't going to be made alone on the United States of America. Because we don't have to open our land border. Several panelists floated the idea of a bilateral commission that could focus on the challenge of bringing border procedures, processes and and technology into the 21st century, especially given the likelihood that the need is likely to long outlast the current pandemic. This is not something that we shouldn't predict. In fact, it's very predictable in a global age, and we need to build our border protocols to have the capacity to handle it. Well, we never saw it coming, this pandemic. It's not like 10 years ago, someone said, yeah. You know, it's going to start in China in 2019, and then it's going to go globally 2020. So, what kind of border restrictions would they, or, or border procedures would they have been working on anyways? They have Nexus. They have the Fast Express.
you know, freely cross between two countries. And the panel also consulted with a number of members of Congress, including New York Representative Brian Higgins, who has been pressing Biden to begin focusing now on a process that would allow the border to reopen by early July. Not Canada's border. Like I said, they want to open up their side of the border, go ahead. I'm keeping my two feet right in my own country until this pandemic is long gone and done. Biden has already floated the idea that Americans might be able to gather in small groups by July the 4th, provided that the U.S. can keep up to be for proven to, to, to be an impressive vaccine pace. Opening up in small groups by July 4th. And they're trying to push, they're, they're pushing to open the borders. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you got to take care of your own first. And then you can proceed with other opportunities and talks with Canada about us opening the border. If you're not gonna take care of yourself first, there's no point in even having this discussion with the United States. Now, like everywhere else around the world, I mean, Biden saying you hopefully by July 4th, you'll be able to gather in small groups. Here in Canada, we have the same problem we have over there in the United States. People are going to gather in large groups. They just are. Why? Because we're only human beings. We're, we're social creatures. This is what we do. It's about our whole being. It's about being alive. It's how we survive. Part of our survival. Socialization. And the White House confirmed on Thursday that it is working on a deal to loan 1.5 million doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, but it's not yet been approved for the use in the United States. In Canada, where it has already been cleared. Getting closer to vaccine parity would be a critically important step forward, allowing the border to reopen. No, you have a larger population than Canada has. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. So just a little update here. Um, I start the show off of, of saying that how well things went here on St. Patrick's Day yesterday. It was pretty quiet here in the city of London, Ontario. So we moved on to this topic about Canada and the United States land border, which has been closed for a year. Only open for essential travel and close to non-essential travel. Now the Canada and, and the United States, you know, trying to get into talks of when and how they can open the border between the two countries. Now, you know, getting closer to vaccine par uh, uh, parity. Well, I mean, what do you have in the United States? 435 million people compared to 37 and a half million people. So parity with only vaccinating 37 million people in the United States and say, oh, we can open the border now. No, we can't. 
And keep in mind, last year, the United States was the world leader in COVID-19 deaths. And today, the United States is the world leader in vaccine manufacturing distribution, he said. But you are still the world leader of infections and deaths. So congratulations for two years running or a year and a bit running, however you want to put it from 2019 to, to or sorry, 2020 to, to 2021. You're still leading in the most infections in the world and the most deaths. So you want to talk about parity? Well, Canada, I think 22,000 people died, unfortunately. Not over a half a million like the United States. So there's no parity here. I don't even know why they even bring up parity. We have to help each other here because we have a mutual objective and that's our economies. They are deeply integrated and that's absolutely true. Our economies are so intertwined that you can't even find the end of the knot. And I get that. Both sides were really struggling especially on the tourism part of it. It doesn't even, tourism doesn't even exist right now. It's been just basically wiped from the map. But the human, but the human cost here, ladies and gentlemen, still has to be priority number one. The human cost. Somehow, some way, the economies will straighten out. But the loss of life, you can't get back. Higgins said he wants the two countries to expand what they consider to be essential travel and to develop a system that would allow people who have been vaccinated to cross the border. Well, what's essential travel? Well, nurses cross into uh, Detroit and Port Huron or whatever like that to work. Truck drivers, we've always been essential. Never mind the pandemic. We've always been essential. You know, without truck drivers, you would have absolutely nothing. So what else would be essential? Now, I did mention compassion for people who lost loved ones because Americans have families living here and Canadians have families living there. And there should have been some compassion system put in place, but there wasn't. Now, I don't know if this is Higgins saying this. He says, I've been vaccinated. Why can't I go to the Peace Bridge and certify that I've been vaccinated and certify that I'm going to wear a face mask so that if I have a virus and I am asystematic, that I don't infect somebody else, he said.
Well, like I said, the vaccine is not the cure. Neither is the flu shot a cure. You can still get COVID-19 after you're vaccinated. Just like you can get the flu after you have the flu shot. You know, they're even talking about here in Ontario and across the country here in Canada that potentially there could be more lockdowns coming. They may even be closing the schools again. And they're talking about reopening up the border. Hell, you don't even have all your schools open up in the United States. He says, I just think that this has become too much. And I think people of goodwill can come up with an agreement at the very least to expand the category of who is an essential traveler toward a full or uh, full opening of the border. Well, if you're coming over here to, to shop and wine and dine and sightsee, that's not an essential traveler. That's a recreational traveler. And right now we got no recreational going on here in Canada. So at the very least, they should be thinking about their own. Taking care of your own. And we can worry about the bread and butter later. Because I certainly don't want to be going in and out of lockdowns. I don't think you want to be doing that neither. So we can't have it. We can't have it both ways here. An essential travel is an essential worker. Nurses and other uh, healthcare professionals that travel between the, 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 the two countries and truck drivers. That's all that needs to be crossing the borders at this time. And for as long as it takes. When we both go through the herd immunity after being vaccinated and the numbers become so low, non-existent, then we'll talk about it. J-Lo, how are you doing? Thank you for coming out here and the other guests here on my show tonight. Yes, good day. Actually, you know, today I thought was Wednesday when I did my uh, intro. And, you know, because, you know, I don't start work till Tuesday. So being Thursday feels like a Wednesday to me. So... If you go back and, and you listen to the beginning of the of the show, you're gonna laugh. I thought it was uh, I thought it was quite funny. So I've been out here talking 
uh, both this, uh, the land border between Canada and the United States and when it should or, sh or should not open up. And also, you know, being St. Patrick's Day yesterday um, here in the city of London, Ontario, it was really quiet. Everybody behaved themselves. Nothing got out of control. No charges laid for breaking the rules. So that was really good to hear. But the big discussion tonight was about the land border between Canada and the United States and when it should open up and how they want to go about opening up the border about, um, you know, using some sort of electronic devices or being, being able to show that you have, um, that you were, um, develop the antibodies, you know, and, you know, I mean, they'd be now be talking on science-based stuff, you know, to, to try to open up the border and what is essential, what is an essential traveler that needs to cross between Canada and the United States, healthcare professionals truck drivers. These are essential services, essential workers. Tourism, you know, to come over here to shop and wine and dine and sightsee. It's not, that's not essential. And right now, I mean, vaccines, I mean, how long have we been doing the vaccines things now? Only what, a couple months? I mean, that's too early. And unfortunately, Canada's behind on vaccinating because we got shorted on the vaccines from Pfizer because they had an updated facility in Europe. Now, because we were behind, anybody starting, I think it was like, oh, this week, I think. So if you were to re, uh, receive your first shot this week, you're now going to have to wait four months for your second shot. Because they want to get as many needles in the arms as they possibly can. in April. Now, see, I'm an essential, I'm an essential caregiver to my parents. They live in a retirement home. So I got um, my first shot three weeks ago. Friday, uh, I think it would be Friday just passed, I got the email um, from the health unit here in the city of London, because my initially second shot was for April the 3rd. Now it's June the 19th. And I'm an essential caregiver to my parents. This Monday just passed. They just got their second shot. So this is what they're going to do to everybody except for people who live in long-term care homes, you know, in nursing home or retirement homes and all staff members and hospital staff and all that stuff, they will get their second dose as scheduled. But anybody else, which I thought I was still you know, set for April the 3rd for my second shot, but that is not the case. Now it'll be June the 19th. 
So that's how we're going to be doing it. That's how we're going to be doing it across the board here in Canada. Now, I don't know how that's working in, in the United States. If they're just, are they going to follow protocol with the first shot, then 21 to 30 days later with the second shot? Or are they just going to try to stick as many needles in as many arms as possible? I don't know. But that's how it's, that's how it's going to work here in Canada. So... Yeah, trying to keep it between two to three weeks. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, that was the initial plan. You know, I mean, that's how, that's how the science conducted it. That's how the studies were done. So government and, and health officials, you know, are saying, no, we're going to go this route. Yeah, that's just, yeah one shot and you're done. You know, I got the Pfizer shot. So, you know, I'll get the second dose of the Pfizer, but not until June 19th now. So they're not gonna, they're not gonna mix and match. You got the Moderna there. And now is that is the Moderna a, a, a two shot as well? Or a single shot? Yes, two shot. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, yeah. The the Pfizer, the Pfizer and the Moderna, are the uh, are the two shots. It's supposed <laughs> it's supposed to be brutal. I mean, I didn't. I just had. Um, Oh, is that? Oh, okay. More symptoms. Um, you know, I'd get, I would get the flu shot and my arm would just be sore, you know? Well, did, I don't know what well, your first shot. Did you, did you have, did you, did you have any kind of a fever, other aches and pains? You had none. I didn't have any, I didn't just, you know, I just, my arm, my arm was a little sore the next day, but uh, the next, the, the day after that, it was fine. And that, so I had no other symptoms of, uh, excuse me, uh, of any kind. So and same with my parents, you know, my dad's 80, my mom's 76, you know, so they just had just, you know, a little bit of an aching arm the next day, but they were fine. Yeah, you know, we've been, you know, we've been so lucky, you know, and probably like the United States too, in, in the nursing homes, um, probably, you know, the hardest hit um, facilities, you know, here in, in Canada, here in Ontario, the hardest hit facilities were nursing homes and retirement homes. Um, we just... I, we're, we're just, we were just so lucky that nothing happened. You know, um, the retirement home that they're in, um, they'd locked down pretty hard, you know, in the fit, in the initial, um, lockdown. And then they were only allowing one member of a family, um, to come in when we start to reopen, um, last spring and throughout the summer and then locking down again after Christmas time. And, you know, we're slowly coming out of lockdowns here in Ontario. Yeah. You know, you know, like everybody, like everybody's saying, you know, um, we're getting to the finish line. Um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And that may be the case, but we still, all of us still have a lot of work to do. Right. And that's, 
doing the basic things, you know, wearing your mask, sanitizing your hands, social distancing, don't gather in large groups. And get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. And yeah, you know, we're going to be looking at the finish line. So, um, I, you know, even still over the summertime, I mean, I mean, it's quite evident, you know, the virus is still going to be here. You know, Joe Biden was talking about, you know, um, hopefully, hopefully by July 4th that, um, more and more people will be, be able to gather in small groups and, and carrying on. Right. So, and that's the other thing that we have to do. We don't need to be gathering in large groups. You know, any concerts or any uh, festivities that go on throughout the summertime here across Canada or like that, it's all canceled. There's not going to be any of that going on again this summer. You'll be able to go to the cottage. You'll be able to go camping. You'll be able to go golfing. You'll be able to go fishing. You'll be able to do outdoor activities, whatever like you would like to do. But the other festivities are all no go. And we probably won't see it until 2022. And I know there's places, you know, sporting arenas and stuff like that. Um, trying to get fans in the fans in the stands. I was watching, I was watching a hockey game the other night, the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were having fans in the stands. Baseball, it's spring training. They're looking at getting fans in the stands. Here. In Canada, with the NHL going on, there are no fans in the stands, and there's not going to be any fans in the stands for the entire season and playoffs and Stanley Cup Finals. There'll be no fans in the stands here in Canada for any sporting event. So... With this border uh, talk going on right now, the land border between Canada and the United States have been closed for one year. And yeah, at some point in time, I mean, they got to have some sort of plan moving forward. But it isn't a plan for the near future because in the near future, that border is going to remain closed. We may have to be looking a lot further down the road and not the summertime neither. Sometime next year. Because, you know, we're just, the vaccine, you know, the vaccines are just getting out. So we're going to see how this plays out. You know, get these numbers down, get these infection rates down. And then we start talking about, you know, opening up the borders between Canada and the United States for anybody to come across either direction. How long is that going to take to do? That's going to remain to be seen. And if the numbers are down enough, is it going to be fine to say, okay, you know what? You can come and go as you please. What kind of rules are we going to still have in place when it comes to mask wearing? Social distancing. How many people, you know, 
are we going to be able to have in bars and restaurants right now here in the city of London where I live, it's only 50 people allowed in a bar or a restaurant. And we're pretty lucky we're that far. Not all the provinces like that. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. That is, you know what you you hit that you hit that uh, that nail right on right on the head with that comment for sure. Absolutely, I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, time will tell. But we'll get there. We will. We absolutely will. So, thank you for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. Nice to have you in the show. Nice to see you back, um, JLo. Thank you for joining me. And uh, I will be back. I'm going to be back out um, Saturday morning. Yeah. You'll be safe too, and uh, you're very welcome. So yeah, I'm gonna be back out Saturday morning around 10 a.m. and uh, kind of, and see what kind of uh, other things I can uh, dig up here and uh, have another great episode here on the Truckers Podcast. <laughs> This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Have a great evening, everybody. A safe week. Thank you, and good night.